I've been trying to uh, preach a series of sermons on the story or the life of Joseph, and uh, it's a lot for a Christian to, to learn from studying Joseph and everything he went through. Genesis chapter 39, we're going to be right there at verse 1. And I was, uh, heard a story about this lady, and she, her and her husband were driving down the road, and they got pulled over by the cops. And the cop pulled them over and told the lady, Lady, uh, you were doing uh, 70, over 77 miles an hour, and it's, uh, it's only 65 miles an hour here on the stretch of road. And uh, the lady started arguing with the cop and said, No, the speed limit is 77. He said, No, ma'am, you don't understand. She, he said, that The speed limit is 65. You're looking at the highway sign. You're on Highway 77. And you're, you're, you're thinking that's the, the speed limit. That's not speed limit, ma'am. He said that uh, the speed limit sign is a white sign there. It's 65. And she kept arguing with the cop. And the cop tried to show the older ladies a little bit of grace and said, ma'am, I'm just going to give you a warning, but you need to understand you need to drive the speed limit, not looking at the highway sign of 77. And as the cop was handing out the, the uh, warning ticket to the lady after she'd been arguing with him, he was handing out the warning ticket to the lady. And the, uh, the old man, the... Her husband was sitting on the passenger side, and he was shaking, and he was shivering, and he had tears rolling down the side of his cheeks, and, and the cop bent down. And he said, uh, sir, uh, just calm down. She was, only, she was only doing 77. Wasn't that bad a deal? And th that old man looked up at the cop and said, you don't understand. We just turned off Highway 183. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we just turned off of Highway 183. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is it? Now, I'm going to make somebody mad when I say this, but is it, is it a sign of old age when you let your wife drive you around everywhere? Is that? When I was growing up, that's what I always used to old people drive. The old, when you get old, then the wife drives you around. And if it's one thing I pick on old Ronnie Hoggin about, I always pick on Ronnie about, you let your wife drive around like an old man and everything, you know. Well, he looks at me, I am an old man, brother. <laughs> he goes, I just, I sleep, let her drive me, you know, get there, get there better. Like, Maybe there's something to that's pretty wise. But you know what I've noticed? These young kids, these young teenagers, they're doing the same thing. I know that Caleb wouldn't do this, but they let the women drive them around. And I see this all the time where, where there's a young girl driving and the guy, the, I mean, they're in their early, early 20s, they're driving. I see that all the time and I wonder... What's the deal? And then, you know what I find out when I found out about these couples? A lot of times, the girl's working. The guy don't even have a job. And she's dating this guy, and she's the one, she, this is her car, or the car her mom or dad bought her. He don't even have nothing. He's just, he just a leech coming off. And she's in love with this guy that don't even have a job. Or, you know, I know I'm going down a rabbit trail there. <laughs> so uh, men, don't let your wife drive you around unless you want to be called old by me. All right. <laughs> Genesis chapter 39 let's look at what's going on in Joseph's life uh, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh captain of the guard an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down thither so starting in verse 1 and Joseph was brought down to Egypt so Joseph who was uh, given these wonderful dreams of how everybody was going to bow down to him brothers got jealous we're out to kill him. We're going to kill him. Well, they decided, let's make money off of him instead. And they sold him into, uh, into bondage. And then as when he went down into Egypt, then he was sold and bought by Potiphar. 
This is exactly like, uh, as I've tried to tell you, and, and this is nothing new to anybody who studied the Bible, Joseph is a great type of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And just like Jesus Christ was turned over to the Gentiles, to Rome, Joseph was turned over to the, to the Gentiles, which would have been uh, Pharaoh and to Egypt and to Potiphar. And he was sold to Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. Verse 2, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. It says that Joseph was a prosperous man. Now, in the Bible, prosperity doesn't necessarily mean great wealth. Prosperity means success. It's, it's defined as success. You'll be very successful. Joseph was successful everywhere he goes. That's a great theme about Joseph. No matter what condition, wherever he's at, he's very successful. Now, why is he successful? Look at verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Even in the worst times of life, the Lord is still with you. Even in your worst times of your life. And it don't seem like it's going to get much worse. I mean, Joseph has had his whole family turn on him. His whole brothers turned on him. They tried to kill him. He begged them and pleaded with them to get him out of the pit. They wouldn't get him out of the pit. And when they finally got him out, he might have thought, well, I'm going to find a guy out here. And then they sold him into bondage. And then he's carried to a foreign land. He doesn't have his mom around him, his dad around him. Nobody's around him. He's over here by himself. And in the worst of times... God's still going to be there with you. Amen. And not only was he there with him, he was blessing him. He was prosperous. You need to be, wherever you're at in your life, I don't know what, where you're at, but you just stay right there. Wherever God's got you, stay right there and just know that the Lord's with you Amen. and make the best of that condition. Just try to make the best of that condition. You know, uh, Brother Spurgeon, I was reading about Brother Spurgeon and he was talking about he preached his sermon because he was very depressed. He was in bad health. And he preached his sermon. This sounds like something a Baptist preacher would do. Brother Spurgeon preached his sermon. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> and he preached his sermon because he was depressed and sad. And his health was failing him. And after he preached his sermon, he says, one of the worst moments of my life. And he went home and went on vacation. He just got away from everything. Well, this man showed up at his house, and this man showed up, and this man was in very bad uh, mental state, and he said his even eyes were flinching, and he was just very weird acting, and he'd come over to Spurgeon's house, and he told Spurgeon, he sat down with Spurgeon, and he said, you're the only one, I heard your sermon, and you're the only one that understands me, Brother Spurgeon. You're the only one that understands me. And Bur Brother Spurgeon was took back because this man was in such a bad mental state. And Brother Spurgeon, to the best of his ability, he witnessed to the guy. He talked to him about the Lord. He tried to help the guy out. And then that guy left. And Spurgeon got over his depression. And then years later, that guy showed back up. And that guy showed up and Spurgeon said, that guy was a changed man. He said, you wouldn't have recognized him from that day to the day I saw him again. He was a changed man. He, was a, he, he, he loved the Lord. He was serving the Lord. And Spurgeon, of course, had come out of his funk and was serving the Lord a lot better. And Spurgeon said, if I have to go through what I have to go through to be able to help other people out, that's what I'm willing to do. To see the change in a person's life. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be times where the Lord's going to put you in a place like he put Joseph there in, in slavery, there in bondage. But there's other people watching you. People are watching how you're handling that situation. Oh, they th you say you're a Christian? Well, let's see how you, how you praise God when you're in this situation you're in. Amen. And don't you know the devil would love to see you deny God? Don't you know the devil would love to see you turn on God in your situation? That's not, God, that's not when he wants you to worship God. He wants you to worship God at your worst moments. At, that's when God really gets the praise. Anybody can sing the praises of God up on a high mountain. 
But very few of us can sing the praises of God like Paul and Silas were down in the dungeon, chained up when we did nothing wrong. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Guys, there's something very important here. The Lord gets all the credit. And even the Egyptian, the ungodly heathen, says, Potiphar says, it's the Lord that's blessing Joseph. Amen. The Lord gets all the credit. The Lord gets all the credit, and when we get up this morning, we had health to get out of bed, the Lord gets the credit. We get that check that's deposited in our bank account, or we get that check after work, the Lord gets the credit. The Lord gets the credit. When we get in our car, and our car gets us here to church, or gets us wherever, the Lord gets the credit. The Lord gets the credit in all this, and we need not forget to give the Lord the credit that's due Him. Verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time they had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. The Bible says that the Lord wasn't blessing Potiphar. But Potiphar was getting blessed because the Lord was blessing Joseph. Amen. And I've seen this in the way the Lord works. The Lord will bless somebody to, for it to trickle down and get to somebody else. Joseph was nothing but a slave. Joseph was, not, was nothing but a servant. And Potiphar was above Joseph. But God favored Joseph so much, he says, I'm going to bless Potiphar and everything he does so it'll trickle down to the one I really love. I see this in America. This happens in nations where God will bless America, not because of these unheathen people that are running this country. God blesses this country because there's people in this country that still love God. And God says, I'm going to bless this country, not for the millionaires and the heathen and the ungodly, but I want it to trickle down to my people that, that are living in the poor houses, that are driving around the old beat-up Chevys and old beat-up Fords, driving around, and those people there that can barely get by, that's who I'm going to bless. And God does that to get to His people. He does that, and that's what He's doing here. It says, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. He was trying to get to Joseph, so He blesses Potiphar. I've seen this happen in families where you have some wicked, sorry, no good dad and you wonder, well, how can he be so blessed? How is he getting so, how is he so blessed? But he has a couple of kids, and God says, I love those kids, and I'm going to bless this father as wicked as he is, and I want it to trickle down. That's a warning. That's a warning. Because whenever Potiphar, or the wicked dad, or America, whenever, whenever that person's not there any longer that God's trying to bless, it's going to dry up. Amen. God's going to dry you up. Amen. And you're going to look back and say, Man, why am I not blessed? Why, why is the money not coming in? Why is everything falling apart in my life? Well, maybe because God was blessing you to get to somebody else. Amen. I've been in a business, and this not that I'm some great Christian or anything, but I've been in a business where I've seen that business was blessed because I was working in, because I was working in that business. And I really believed that. I've seen that. And I knew somebody else was working in that business. And that business was very blessed. It was simply because there's good Christians working in that business. But when we left that business, it wasn't a year and that thing shut down, closed down, whoop, out the door. God will bless a business to get down to the people below him. That's a warning to anybody who's living in this world an ungodly life. You better check your life, make sure. Is God, am I just blessed because there's somebody in me that 
That's what's going to happen in America. Once this Christian nation starts drying up of its Christians, God's going to stop blessing it, and woe be unto America. Amen. They cry out, God bless America. And Christians cry back, why should God bless America? Why? Can you give me a good reason? I know one right there on that wall with missionaries we send out. But when these Christians drop and it's getting worse and worse in the churches in America, we're getting worse and worse. Lord bless the Egyptians' house for the Joseph's sake. Verse 6, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph, listen to this, guys, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, to me, honestly, it's amazing. What, what the, that verse right there is amazing to me. End of verse 6. And Joseph, Joseph's a slave. He's been thrown into bondage. He was, this, he was uh, turned on by his brothers, almost killed. He's in a foreign land, doesn't know anybody, and it says that Joseph was a sourpuss, bitter, angry. That's not what the Bible says. What is Joseph? was a goodly person and well-favored. That's the hardest thing to do as a Christian. When everything starts going wrong in your life, still to live that Christian life. Amen. That's a true Christian. I say this all the time, and I really mean this. It's not having faith in God. It's not having faith, real faith. I'm talking about real faith. It's not having enough faith to believe that God will heal you if you believe enough. Real faith is having faith when God doesn't bring the healing. Having faith that when God doesn't heal up to say, well, he's God and whatever he wants to do, like Job said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. That's real faith. And Joseph down in Potiphar's house, forsaken by his brethren, he's, he's, he's ostracized from his godly family. He's living in an ungodly world under an ungodly family, disfavored as a slave, nothing but a servant. He's a slave. He could be bitter. He could be angry. And he had the right to be. Who would, who would blame him? I know personally, you take Brother Keegan, you put him at Joseph's spot, I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to be angry. And you won't be saying Keegan's a godly person, not one bit. But through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe I could. But I know in my flesh, I would be bitter, I'd be angry, I'd be missing my family. But Joseph is said to be a godly person. Potiphar owned him, and Potiphar could have been considered his enemy. He's a slave. Potiphar is his master. When he looks at Potiphar, that's his master. That's the one who bought him. Joseph could look at Potiphar like, a, like an enemy and had a right to, right? He's my enemy. He owns me. He's my master. This isn't fair. He could have looked at Potiphar like an enemy. And a lot of people said he should have. I, I guarantee you a lot of the world will say, he's your enemy. He tries to control you. He tries to tell you what to do. He thinks he owns you. He's your enemy. Joseph didn't look at him that way. Joseph looked at him as a friend, as somebody to help. And that's an amazing thing that Joseph's doing. He showed love towards Potiphar, an enemy, and he blessed him. Jesus Christ said, love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. You know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught us what Joseph is teaching us here. I don't know what situation you're in. You might think you have enemies, but don't let them be enemies. Make them friends. They might think you're your enemy. Don't let them be an enemy. Make them a friend. 
Be good to them. You know, uh, be a goodly person in, in persecution. Anybody, like Jesus Christ said, anybody can do good to those that do good to them. Jesus Christ said that. Even sinners do that. That's what Jesus said. Even sinners can do good to those that do good to them. But be like your heavenly Father who does good to those that, do, that are doing evil to Him. Do good to those that don't deserve it. Be good to your enemies. Love your enemies. And Joseph, as following that principle that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ set out. Man, what an amazing thing. You know, Joseph could have been bitter. Joseph could have been angry. Joseph could have been a lot of things. But you know what? Who that would have hurt? Joseph. That would have hurt Joseph. Joseph could have been walking around sulking and my, my dad's over there and my brother's sold me in a bed and here's this guy that thinks he owns me and he, he could have been bitter. He could have been living anger. He could have been living with all that misery. And you know who would have been hurt there? Not Potiphar. It would have been Joseph. Do you see how much more of a blessed life Joseph's living because he's living a godly person? Amen. How blessed is he? Well, it said the Lord was with him and blessed him in everything he did. And that Joseph was so blessed that Potiphar says, Ben, just turn it all over to him. Let him run it. I don't care. Just let him have every, whatever he wants. Joseph, do whatever you want to do, Joseph. Now, that's blessed. But he turned it over to the Lord. And Joseph was living that life. And he tried to make a good thing out of a bad situation. And that's what every Christian tries to do. We try to make a good thing out of a bad situation. You know, uh, when Colleen got diagnosed with cancer and she's dealing with that and we're praying her through it and everything else, I've never seen a woman try to make a good thing out of such a bad situation. She tries to do everything she can. to. She, she was down underneath the bridges uh, feeding poor people down in Austin. She's flown over to California, helps some people out there. She just goes over. She's living life. She's living for the Lord. She praises the Lord. That's somebody who's trying to make a good situation out of a bad situation. Amen. You know... Uh, Joseph has shown us a way to live, guys, because a lot of us are in bondage. A lot of us are slaves. You know, America loves to talk about how we used to have slaves, and we did, and we kidnapped these people, and we did, and we sold. Guys, we're all slaves in America. We, you, have, you go to work, you're a slave. You, you're owned by somebody. They want you there from certain, certain time to a certain, certain time. We're just a different type of bond servant. And we should live our life Looking at ourselves as Joseph said, you know what, no matter what the situation is, I'm going to be godly. You know, I was reading about this man, and I'm, I'm, going, to read, I'm going to read his name out. His name was Harry Lauder. Harry Lauder. And he lost his son, his only son, in World War I. Was killed. His only son was killed in World War I. And he told one of his friends, he said, you know, when something like this happens to you, when something like this happens to you, when you lose your only son in war, there's only three ways out of it. Drinking, going into despair, or God. He's just on three ways out of it. Drinking, going into despair, or God. And he said, you know what, I think I'll take the last one. By his grace, I'll take God. I'll take God. Joseph's, that's what Joseph would have said. Joseph would have said, you know, my brothers betrayed me. My brothers tried to kill me. I don't know where my dad's at. My mom, I'm separated. I'm way off this foreign country. I'm never going to get to see him again. I'm in slavery. He said, but there's only three options. I can either go into despair, I can drink myself to death, or I can turn to God. Turn to God. Turn to God. Amen. Oh, Joseph, man, he's blessed. Everything's going better for him. He's starting to... 
finally get ahead. He's finally starting to get blessed. And, you know, he's finally starting to kind of make a life for himself. The Bible doesn't really say how long he stayed in Potiphar's house. It had to be for a while for him to be blessed and for Potiphar to see it and Potiphar to see what's going on. Evidently, he might have been in there for years. Working for Potiphar, rising up in Potiphar's uh, 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 house, and becoming so uh, uh, such a master of over all of Potiphar's stuff. But in all of this blessing and everything that Joseph's doing right, you know something bad's about to happen. Verse seven, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, that's Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, "Lie with me." She wants him to uh, go to bed with her. Evidently, Joseph was a pretty good-looking young man. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, uh, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Joseph said, there's nothing my master... My master don't even know what's in his house. I'm the only one that knows. He goes, my master doesn't even know what's in my hand or your hand or who... He, I, I'm in control of everything. Look at verse 9. There is none greater in his house, in this house, than I. Joseph had started at the very bottom, a Hebrew slave he had bought from the Ishmaelites, and he had raised all the way up to the very top, thanks to God. Right? We give God all the credit. And Joseph was being a goodly person, so God could bless him. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. The only thing he's kept back from me is you, but thee. Potiphar lets Joseph have all the food he wants, any of the cattle. He can get on the horse. He can ride horses. He can go all over the property. He can do, Joseph can do whatever he wants to do, but one thing, he can't get around his wife. Neither had he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph realizes that a person's sins are not just against another person. They're against the Lord God. Amen. Notice what he said. I do this great wickedness and sin not against Potiphar, against God. So many of our sins that we're doing, we're thinking, well, I, I did that person wrong. No, you're doing God wrong. You're doing God wrong. And one thing to notice that's very, very important about this, notice it's Genesis chapter 39. This is Genesis chapter 39. Brothers and sisters, this is before the Ten Commandments were given. Way before the Ten Commandments were given. Were, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Way before. Way before. And you can go to Genesis 20 and you have Abimelech saying, It's a sin to sleep with another man's wife. God has put those laws of the Ten Commandments in man's heart. And he has a conscience. And for men to stand up and say, well, I don't care what the Ten Commandments say. I don't. God's going to judge your heart. And He's put that in it. And nature itself speaks to you. And your heart speaks to you. And God's going to judge you that way. And you can try to deny the Ten Commandments. You can try to take the Ten Commandments. You can break them and take them from the courthouse square and say, we don't want the Ten Commandments in our school. But God's still giving you a heart with a conscience. And you're going to bear witness to that when you stand before God in the judgment day. And Joseph is showing here a man under, before the Ten Commandments, before God's laws, knew it was a sin against God to sleep with another man's wife. Amen. He didn't need the Ten Commandments to tell him that. And he knew it was a wickedness, a wickedness before God. And Joseph could have done it. And no one would have ever known. He could have sent everybody out, and him and Joseph's wife, I mean him and Potiphar's wife could have slept together, and nobody would have ever have known it. 
And he could have had a bit, he could have been bitter, he could have been angry. He said, This is the way I'm going to pay back my master for buying me, making me a slave. I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to sleep with his wife. Joseph could have had all these temptations coming in his head. The devil could have put all this stuff back into his head and said, You need to pay back Potiphar. He's just, this is what he deserves. That's not what Joseph said. Joseph said it had been a sin against him, and it a great, a great wickedness and a sin, a sin against God. One of the very scariest verses in the whole Bible is Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. What does Numbers chapter 32, verse 23 said, say? Let me read it to you. It says, be sure, and be sure your sin will find you out. Amen. And be sure your sin will find you out. Guys, God's not going to let you get away with it. God is not mocked. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God's not going to let you get away with it. And sometimes we commit these sins and we think that we've gotten away with it and that uh, nobody's going to find out about it, and God knows. See, Joseph was living the kind of life that we all should be living. He was living the kind of life that he knew that God was watching everything he did. The Lord is blessing him. The Lord is taking care of him. But the Lord is watching everything he does. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He's watching the good that Joseph's doing, but he would also be watching the evil that he would do. And Joseph recognized that. And, and this temptation to lie with this woman, this woman was throwing herself at him. He was trying to deny that and say, it's a sin against God. I can't do that. Do you realize Joseph in all this trouble and all these problems and all his heartache and, and get, being uh, mistreated by his brothers, he still hadn't forsaken his father's God. He's still recognizing his father's God. He said, that's my God. And even if I'm in a foreign land and I'm way down in the pit and I'm way down and I'm in jail, I'm in a prisoner, I'm a, I'm a slave, I'm still a son of that God. And I can't sin against him. I just can't do it. Notice it says that, notice it says there in verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. She wouldn't let it up. This was a day by day thing. That's the way temptation is, Christian. You might win the battle today and you might lose the battle tomorrow. You need to be diligent. The Bible says diligent. You need to be ever watching because your adversary is a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. The devil's out to get you, and he might not get you today. And you might be celebrating today because you didn't sin, but tomorrow might be where you step off. Listen, Jesus Christ tells us and teaches us when he came down to this earth to be, take life day by day. Take it one day at a time. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring? Just take the day. Take it today. And if you win the battle today, praise the Lord. But there's going to be another battle tomorrow, day by day. Day by day, she came to him, day by day. Verse 11. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Uh-oh. Joseph makes a mistake here. Now, he might not have known it. He might not have known he's going in the house, and there was nobody there but Potiphar's wife. He just, but it's a mistake that he went into the house by himself. Now, if he knew it, he should, have have, he should have waited until there was somebody else there. The Bible says uh, to, to flee all appearance of evil. Guys, we need to make sure that we're not doing anything that looks evil. 
that he can even look evil. It would not be a sin. Now, guys, y'all know me. It would not be a sin for me to get a whiskey bottle, pour out all that whiskey, and pour water in it, and drink that water out of that whiskey bottle. That's not a sin, is it? I'm not sinning before God, but if somebody sees that whiskey bottle, they're going to think I'm drinking whiskey. That's a sin. Because I, I, then Roel's going to look out his back door, and he's going to see me back there with that, that whiskey bottle, and he's going, oh, the old preacher's lost it. He's hitting the bottle again or whatever. That's a sin, because then Raul will say, well, if that preacher's just throwing it all away for God, why, why should I live for God? We've got to be careful how we live our life. And we've got to be really diligent about how we do these things. Jesus Christ said, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. <laughs> Jesus Christ told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, I'm sending you out, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What does that mean? Know how the world works. You don't, know how to, you don't have to live in it. You don't have to act like them, but know how they work and be harmless about it. Otherwise, Joseph should, should have known, you know what? I'm, I'm an innocent kid. You know, I, I don't want to sleep with Potter, so I don't have nothing to do with her, but I know how she is. And I know if that woman gets any chance, she's going to jump me. <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from her unless I have some other men around so they can help me get away. That's called being wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And Dr. Rubin used to tell us in, in, in class, when we sit in class, he goes, he'd say, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Two serpents to one dove. <laughs> what does that mean? Be twice as wise as the world and be harmless. Man, this world is wicked. And they know things that me and you could never even imagine. They do things me and you couldn't even comprehend in secret. They do these things in the dark that we don't even know what's going on. And it'll blow your mind when you find out what's going on in people's lives. You just live your life, be harmless as a dove, but be wise as a serpent because the devil's out to get you. And here's where Joseph might have slipped up. He might have slipped up here. If he, if, he did, if he knew that she was in there by herself, he shouldn't have went in. Verse 12, and she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. We're told to flee youthful lusts. And Joseph, when he went in there and she grabbed a hold of him, he said, let me go. And she grabbed a hold and, she, and it ripped and his garment, he ran out of there. And he does what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to flee youthful lusts. We're supposed to flee those lusts. We're not supposed to hang around and see what's going to happen. We're not supposed to hang around and say, well, let me, no, I, I shouldn't. You should look at it like it's a serpent about to bite you, bite you and you need to flee. You need to get out of there. Because it is a serpent about to bite you. And it's a sin that's a sin unto death, the Bible says. You realize that there's a sin that you can commit in this life that you can never come back from until you get up into heaven. People every day make, make decisions that's a sin that they never, they have to pay for, they have to pay for that sin the rest of their life. All because of one little decision. Either they spend the rest of their life in prison or they, there's some, something happened in their life. Y'all can think about what I'm talking about. And they have, to, they have to pay for it the rest of their life. One sin. They didn't wake up that morning thinking they were going to commit that sin. But that one sin. One mistake. One discretion. And he flees. And we're supposed to flee youthful lust. You know, uh, don't turn there, but let me read you this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleases God shall escape from her. 
but the sinner shall be taken by her. If you have trouble with youthful lust with women or anything like that, just go into the book of Proverbs. I think every other chapter is warning you about strange women and how you should stay away from, from uh, women like that. You need to get away from them. This leads you down to the pits of hell, the Bible says. Amen. The world teaches you different. The world teaches you uh, to be with as many women as you can get with. And the world teaches you just to fornicate, have all kinds of sex outside of marriage. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you think there's something wrong with it, you're just an old fuddy-dud. No, I'm a truthfulness. I love the truth. And I've been around the world enough to know what happens when somebody lives that kind of lifestyle. They don't ever talk about the diseases that comes upon a person that lives that lifestyle. They never talk about the diseases. They never talk about the heartache. They never talk about the emotional stress. They never talk about the problems that come with that kind of lifestyle. There's a payday someday. Yes, amen. And it came to pass, verse 13, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of their house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. She's lying about him. This is exactly what happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was falsely accused, just like Joseph is being falsely accused. Uh, verse uh, 15, And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Now she's going to tell Potiphar. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. When I don't know where this saying came from, and I, I can't tell you where to trace it back to, but I've always heard all my life, Hell no, hell no, no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. And I guess this is true right here in these verses. He scorned her, and Mara, she's going, all he was doing, he just wouldn't sleep with her. So she's going to get him killed. She's trying to get him killed. Just because he wouldn't sleep with her. He didn't do nothing to her. He just says, no, I can't sleep with you. He didn't say, you're ugly, or I don't like you. He just said, I can't, you're, you're, I, this will be evil, I can't do it. So she's out to kill him for that. The world will get after you and try to kill you just simply because you're trying to live a godly life. He's doing the right things. I'm trying to show you that just like Potiphar's wife, these people in this world are just about half nuts. They don't think. And when they think they're doing something right, half the time they're doing something totally wrong. And what they think is good is evil. And the Bible says what they think is evil is good. And the Bible warns us about war and them that call good evil and evil good. And we're living in that country right now. Amen. It's a scary time to live in America, the way people act, the way people treat each other. Verse 19, it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Well, I bet so. Potiphar comes home, finds out that Joseph's trying to sleep with his wife. And, of course, Potiphar's taking his wife's side of it. And he has to. He has to take his wife's side of it. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, what's interesting about that is Potiphar had all right to kill Joseph. 
So it implies there that Potiphar had a little bit of a doubt that Joseph might not have done it. But to save face and save way for, for his wife, and political face, he has to sin. It's just like what happened with Herodias. Herod, whenever Herodias was after John the Baptist and sent her daughter in there, and she, her daughter was dancing in front of Herod, and Herod said, I'll give you half of my, up to half of my kingdom, because she was doing such a sensual belly dance in front of him. And her mom had already told that daughter, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. Hell no, no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> I want his head on a platter. So the daughter came back and said, I want uh, John the Baptist's head on a platter. And Herod was heartbroken. He liked John the Baptist. But he looked around and all his friends were there. And, he, and for political reasons, go bring John out. Cut his head off. Ooh, there goes his head. John did nothing wrong. This world is half nuts. And you got to be careful about the people you get around. Amen. But just like Potiphar could have killed Joseph but was in, had his doubts while he was bringing down the sentencing, this kind of speaks to Pilate. Pilate had his doubts about Jesus. As a matter of fact, Pilate said he's an innocent man. Pilate did something very wicked. He knew Jesus was innocent, but he crucified him anyway. That's how wicked Pilate was. Pilate was told by his wife, don't have anything to do with this man Jesus. I've, had, I've been troubled with dreams about him. Don't have nothing to do with him. Pilate was, so, Pilate was so sure he was innocent. Pilate in front of everybody says, here's a bowl of water. I wash my hands. I cleanse my hands of his blood. Let it be on you. And what did the Jews yell out at that time? Let his blood be on us and on our children. Talking about Jesus, and it has been. But Pilate, knowing everything he knew how innocent Jesus was, and he knew in his heart that he was looking at the truth, he still sinning to be crucified. Don't expect the world to do the right thing. Don't sit here and sit back and think the world's going to do the right thing, my job is going to do the right thing, the government's going to do the right thing, because they're not. They might know what's the right thing to do. They, know, they might understand the difference between good and evil, but don't expect them to do the right thing. Potiphar could have seen Joseph and known Joseph and knew how he was and said, there's no way this young man did. There's no way. My wife is a liar. But see, that would make Potiphar look bad. That made his wife look bad. He'd have to get his wife. Potiphar just made decisions that helped him. Christians, let's not act like the world. Let's live like God is watching us and everything we do like Joseph did. And let's live, let's live making decisions, not because they're easy decisions, but live and making decisions because they're godly decisions. Let's not be like uh, the, the world where they make decisions because they just go the easy way out. Like Pilate, like Herod, like Potiphar. And say, this is the easiest, I don't care if somebody gets killed over it, this is the easiest decision for me personally. Sometimes we're going to have to take on some burdens. Sometimes we're going to have to take on some weight of this life because we're going to have to make some hard decisions. And sometimes I'm telling you those decisions in your life might mean getting rid of some family members. You might be at, uh, at, the, at, the, at the Thanksgiving Day table and, and be sitting around with some family and you might have to say, you know, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And you might have four of your family members that won't ever talk to you again because you said something like that. But sometimes it's time to speak up. Sometimes it's time to say, you know, I'm going to do the right thing by God. Amen. And if I lose half my family, I'm going to do the right thing by God. Say, Brother Keegan, it's really easy for you to say that. Maybe it is easy for me to say that, but I'm telling you, if you'll live a godly life and do what God wants you to do, He's going to bless you. Amen. And stop living like the world and trying to take the easy way out. 
Notice in verse 21, I want to close by showing you this, the most important thing. See that verse 21? Look at the first word there. But. Christian, you might be living in the pits. Everything in your world is falling apart, but there's a big but in your life. But the Lord was with Joseph. Amen. Joseph got down, and he couldn't get any lower. At least he thought. Does it get any lower than being a slave in a foreign country, separated from his mom and dad? Is it, don't seem like it get much worse. Well, yeah, it's about to get worse. Now he's been falsely accused when he did everything right. And now he's going to get thrown even lower down into a prison. And the Bible wants you to know something. And it's, the Holy Spirit tells you something in that verse. is very, very important, Christian. But the Lord was with Joseph. Even though he was being persecuted and Joseph could have said, God, why? God, why are you doing this to me? God, I thought you told me in a dream that people were going to bow down to me. Why are you? This isn't no, nobody's bowing down to me. They're persecuting me. He had every reason to turn on God. But he didn't. And as he kept going and descending into further, further depths of his life, God stayed with him. The Lord stayed with him. And Christian, whatever you're going through in this life right now, and I don't know what it is, we all have our problems, we all have our trials, we all have our tribulations, the Lord is still with you. And He'll see you through it. And He's got a plan for your life. And I found out something about life. I found out a very, a very important thing about life. What I found out about life is you've got to go through the bad to appreciate the good. You can't appreciate the good unless you've gone through the bad. And so many of our young uh, teenagers, so many of the, uh, the young people living in America, they're spoiled brats. They've never had anything bad. They think it's bad when, when the internet don't work for thir three or four hours. Oh, my life is horrible. Things have gone bad in my life. What's wrong? The internet stopped working. They don't understand what bad is. These people like Sister, Sister Alice, some of these people that have some gray hair on them, that know what bad times are. They appreciate the good. Because they've been through the bad. And you can't appreciate the good unless you go through the bad. You can't appreciate how good something is unless you know how bad things can be. And Joseph, he's going down and he's going down and he's going down. And now he's down in prison and it's going to get worse, brothers and sisters. And we're going to study it together and look at it together. It's going to get worse. But man, when it gets better, it gets really, really, really good. Amen. It gets really, really good for Joseph. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord. If there's somebody at the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I just pray that you would speak to the heart the truth, Lord God, that it might come on down here and get saved. And Lord, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's somebody in here that needs to get right with you, Lord God, to come on down to the altar and pray for Pray to you, Lord. Get right with you, Lord. And Father, we want to thank you for your words. Thank you for Joseph's story, Lord God, that we can study it and glean out of it. The truths that we need to live, Father, to get closer to you. Lord, I want to Pray for anybody who needs the sound of my voice that's dealing with trial, dealing with the tribulation, dealing with something that was no fault of their own, Father, be it health or financial, whatever it might be, Lord, I just pray that you'd help them get through it. Lord, let them know that you're there with them, and you're going to get them through it, Father God. And Father, I know that in my life, when I've had all kinds of troubles come in, Lord, just, just to know that you're there with me makes my day brighter. And Lord, you are the light of the world. And I thank you for being that light in my life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's such a comfort. Thank you for him being a comforter in my life. 
And I'm praying all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.